0: This podcast is brought to you by Harness Racing New South Wales. Harness Racing New South Wales has established a much-needed initiative to help harness racing participants who are struggling with personal issues through these tough times. It's called Mates for Harness and it offers a helping hand to anybody struggling with the ravages of drug or alcohol abuse, domestic violence, or mental illness. Mates for Harness is there for anybody needing a helping hand. The support group is headed up by the very experienced Morris Logue, Chaplain Colin Watts and a sports psychologist Oliver Brett. Ambassadors are on standby all over the state. In the metro area it's Darren Binskin, the Hunter Peter Allen, the Northwest Leanne Flower, the Western District's Amy Reese, Riverina, Saren Adams, and the Far West, Steve and Marie Robinson. If you need to talk to somebody, Mates for Harness can help. www.matesforharness.com.au or ring Morris Logue on 0400 984 193. You don't need to be alone. Talk it over with a mate. Late in 1982, And you were having a lot of success for Randwick trainer Les Bridge who's still going strong in his mid-70s. You'd ridden Sir Dapper in most of his work and Les had no hesitation in putting you on when the cult made his debut. He won three straight at Randwick, then he won the Skyline Stakes at Canterbury and then came that horrible and very forgettable Todman Slipper Trial in which he was beaten by Daybreak Lover. What went wrong, mate? Can you take us through that race?
1: Yeah, I, I can. Um, myself and Les had a pre-race plan. We thought that um, there was a bit of speed in the race and he'd drawn, there was only a small field and that um, he, he'd drawn in close and that if we tried to ride him a pretty race, we, we were of the opinion that he would be boxed up and he might uh, might be unlucky. So we decided that uh, we should probably use his speed out of the barriers and push forward and um, and, and try and keep him out of trouble. Uh, unfortunately as they, they called riders one of the owners raced into the enclosure and, and asked us what we were going to do and we explained that and uh, he turned around and said no you won't he said uh, it's like this I, I want him redeem, I want you to be uh, third or fourth back on the fence um, He said and if you don't you'll never ride from me again." and mm. you'll never train for me again. So the rest, <coughs> I, I, I had to ride to uh, the owner's instructions, unfortunately. Mm.
0: That's a nice way to go out for an important race.
1: Yes, yes, most definitely.
0: Now, when it was all over, did you expect to retain the ride in the Golden Slipper or did well, you I, know deep down you were on the skids?
1: I knew I was in a bit of trouble, but given that I rode the way I was I was told to ride, I thought that um, that, that may... Um, count for something, um, Mm. but unfortunately it didn't.
0: When did you find out you were off in the slipper?
1: Uh, Well, that was a Saturday. We went to Canterbury on the Monday. Um, We had another horse in there in a 2,800-metre race um, for the same connections. Uh, Draft Dodger, I think his name was from memory, Mm. Uh, and the owner came in the enclosure and and said that um, if I was able to get Draft Dodger home, I, I would retain the ride in the slipper um, and uh, I thought, well, there's, here's a bit of hope. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't true to his word. Draft Dodger won, and he had a media release ready to uh, give to the press after the race, and um, I found out that afternoon that I wasn't on the horse.
0: You had several rides at Rose Hill on that slip day, and, Morris, I don't care how resilient you were, it must have hurt to watch Ronnie Quinton putting those colours on.
1: Well, it most definitely did. Um, it definitely uh, was, was a disappointment. And the, the thing about it is, I suppose, at the end of the day, uh, and we go back to when I got beaten on the horse, the jockey to my outside was Ron Quinton. Uh, he was, uh, he's one of the greatest of all time jockeys, and I think it was about his seventh um, metropolitan premiership uh, in succession or very close to it. So mm-hmm. for a young jockey, 20 years old, to be outridden by somebody of that uh, Mm. calibre, well, that that could be expected and be excused, I would think. Mm. But it definitely um, was a disappointment.
0: Sir Dapper won another eight races after the slipper, and he was second in three more Group Ones. He was a great little horse who went to stud very early, in fact, just after 18 race starts, of which he won 13. That was his final record, 13 from 18.
1: Yeah, he was a lovely horse. He was he was great to be around. He was a very kind horse, um, and you could go you could nearly be a put somebody on that had never ridden before, and he'd take them around the track. And unless you squeezed him, mm. he'd just hack around the track. Um, he was a very good horse.
0: And we're talking about a colt.
1: We are most definitely. Yeah. It's uh, unusual, but he he was he was very uh, placid for a colt.
0: It wasn't long after when you got a very timely and very sweet consolation for your disappointment with Sir Dapper. A horse called Lord Seaman had only 46.5 in the Doomben Cup and you got the call. How did it happen?
1: I did. um, Don Cleal, the trainer, um, was a very good mate with uh, John Shrek, the chief steward in Sydney, and Mm. he'd... Running a couple of jockeys to try and get them to to ride the horse in the the and Cup, and they'd all declined, and uh, so he rang John Shrek, and John Shrek said that uh, he he would uh, on his behalf approach me, mm. uh, and that's what happened. Uh, I ended up I had a call from John Shrek asking me whether I'd ride it, uh, made of his had the horse, and um, so I made the commitment to ride the horse at forty six and a half kilos, and I wasted from that point on and obviously Mm. uh, got down to the weight and the horse won.
0: And you were obviously strong and healthy at 46 and a half.
1: I was, yes. Uh, I I did something that uh, in hindsight I shouldn't have done and I took a full book of rides and come, um, I think it was about race seven, um, uh, trying to ride that weight, I was thirsty and dehydrated and all those things, I should have spaced my rides out a little bit better, Mm. uh, but I managed to get through and get the job done. Mm.
0: Two more horses I want to ask you about. Firstly, I'm a carpenter, a fleet-footed grey gelding from Bega, trained by Nugget Weekly. He had 10 starts, Morris, that's all. You rode him in every one of them for seven wins and two placings. He won his first four straight at Queen Queenbeyanne, then a couple at Canberra, then one at Canterbury, and two of those wins were by huge margins, seven and eight lengths. Then came a let-up. He came back to win three straight, culminating in the Royal Sovereign Stakes, Group 3, and then Nugget decided to leave him in Sydney with another trainer, the late Paul Sutherland.
1: Yeah, he, he was a very good horse to me. I'm a carpenter, and I'll always recall... Um, uh, he Nugget had rang me. Uh, he was a very good mate of Dick Eubrine, who I did a little bit of riding for in Sydney. Mm. And he rang me, and he he had a couple of horses going to Queanbeyan. Uh and he asked me whether I was going. Oh, I was, mm. and uh, unfortunately, he, he had this horse in the a uh, maiden, uh, mm. and I wasn't told the horse's name at that stage. And then he he um, I told him I'd had a. Had a prior uh, booking, mm. and he um, it impressed upon me that he thought this horse was pretty special, and that uh, he'd, he'd really he really wanted me to ride him. Mm. Um, so I I rung the other trainer up and I told them the situation, and they uh, they agreed to release me. Mm. Um, and uh, as as it turned out, they split the maiden, and the other horse run in the other heat, mm. um, and it won. Um, so I'm sitting in the jockey's room thinking, gee, what have I pulled the wrong rein here? Mm. Uh,
0: and
1: then uh, I'm a carpenter comes out and he just absolutely blitzed them. Mm.
0: Oh, yes, yeah, he's a lovely little horse. Now, his last three starts after uh, Paul Sutherland took him over, he ran fourth in the Hobartville, second in the Star Kingdom, and then third in the Galaxy, and then he was retired. Did he go amiss?
1: He did. While he was spelling after um the galaxy he he had an accident he'd slipped over in the paddock and hurt himself um they brought him up to sydney to the um uh the equine center out there at hawkesbury uh where he was operated on and unfortunately they they just couldn't uh get him back to to being able to race again so uh he he had to retire and and that's what happened to him which is a real shame i think he he definitely had a lot of ability and um, there was still some improvement in him and we never saw the best of him.
0: Mm. Now to a horse called Roman Artist, who had 52 starts and you rode him in half of them. He had three trainers during his career. Charles Newham, Neville Begg had him for a while and John Wallace finished up with him on the Gold Coast. Unusual yeah, horse, would not he? unusual he, he was
1: he mm. was he's um he was a um he was no champion but he was a, a very good horse and he was a, a high speed front runner and um a, a mate of mine neil williams got me the ride on him he uh, they took him down to sydney um to rose hill and neil couldn't make the uh, the trip so uh he put charles in touch with me and um, the first time I rode him at, at Rose Hill, it was uh, oh, he drew out wide,
0: yeah, and
1: the bit broke. Peter so, Pan
0: stakes, it was.
1: That's correct. Yeah, yeah. the bit broke. So um, uh, if the bit doesn't break, I reckon I will win the race. Uh, mm. I just couldn't rate him. He 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 went very keen out in front, and um, mm. uh, but he managed to run third. He he uh, he held on for third.
0: How'd you pull him up?
1: Well, I was calling out to the, the clerks of the courses that I needed some help and, and they ended up uh, getting catching me and, and giving me a bit of a hand. So as mm. um, soon as they, they caught him, obviously, I jumped off um, and then we, uh, we got him back to the enclosure.
0: After the Peter Pan stakes, he ran second in the gloaming and then he lined up as a three-year-old in the George Main, which has been a good race for three-year-olds over the years. This was your second Group 1.
1: It was. It, uh, I was fortunate he grew wide on the track, and I, I liked drawing wide from the mile start at, at Ramwick. It, it gave you the opportunity not to bustle them to hold your spot. You could just roll along and then take over when you wanted to, and that's exactly what happened. Mm. Um, he jumped out quite well, and I just let him amble to the lead and uh, steadied them up, and they just couldn't beat him.
0: Mm. He went to Melbourne to ride him in the spring of 85. He ran a nice fifth in the Caulfield Guineas and then he lined up in the Cox Plate. Now, we should have explained earlier, Morris, that he hated racing left-handed and that was very obvious in the Cox Plate.
1: It it was and it was um, uh, after his previous start, I sat down with Charles and the owners and I explained that I just needed some help to get him around the turns um, I couldn't rate him properly every time I'd go to restrain him he'd just he'd go wide on the track and mm. um and and they declined my request to put a, a lugging bit on him um and and sadly I think that's uh, you know I, I think that's one of the races that got away from me because I couldn't rate him properly he mm. uh, he jumped out and um I just had to go a little bit too quick on him to keep him on the track and every time I'd, I'd go to ease him uh, he'd be three and four deep on the track by himself. There was no other horse around, but I just couldn't get him to relax.
0: Yeah. He kept battling, didn't he, behind Rising Prince? He
1: he did, and Rising Prince, he beat the previous um, in the um, uh, George Main Stakes. So I have no doubt he could have beat him again. I just needed to be able to rate him, and uh, uh, that was one of those things, unfortunately.
0: Mm. You travelled a bit with Roman artists. You won a Group 3 on him at Pinjarra in Western Australia. And also a Villiers at Randwick.
1: Yes, so we went over to uh, to Perth, um, and I was fortunate. He was he, he went around the track that day. He would have been three and four wide on the track. Um, he uh, was racing against a horse called Rant and Rave, who was the early favourite for the Derby over there. Mm. Um, and he just he gave him a hiding. I think. I, I think Rent and Rave, uh, he either runs second to him or third in that millionaire size, mm. but there was just day a daylight between him and the second horse, and um, we lined up in the Derby. We were then wound in to be favourite in the Derby. Um, I sent the saddle out, um, and I expected that to be Group Group One number three. It was just a matter of steering him around the course there at Ascot and unfortunately he collapsed in the horse stall mm. um, and uh, he was a late scratching. He never made it onto the track.
0: Mm, goodness me. You had one ride <clears throat> on a great horse called Strawberry Road who was also a Cox Plate winner. You rode him as a three-year-old in the Hobartville Stakes and you went very close to winning and the margin was a short neck to maskay.
1: Yes, it was around the old 1,400-metre track at Warwick Farm and Maskay was just way too quick for him um over the that course uh and had it been at Ramwick like Shea uh, uh, Hobartville uh that little stakes he'd have definitely beat him mm. um, but he just got a little bit too far ahead of me uh turning for home and he, he ran a terrific race to running into a half neck um, and I'm Unfortunately, I wasn't able to retain the ride. They put his regular rider back on him, and then after um, he'd ridden him, then Dittman got on him, and he never got off him. Dittman, I can understand why he wouldn't want to get off him. Oh,
0: yeah. He got on well with him, didn't
1: he? He did, yes.
0: Now, Morris, another interesting phase of your career was a 12-month stint as number two jockey for the giant Nebo Lodge operation under Brian Mayfield-Smith. You got plenty of rides, and you wrote a lot of winners for the stable.
1: I did. um, After I'd won the uh, Queensland Cup in Brisbane, I decided to go up there and base myself in Brisbane for a while uh, with Laurie Mayfield Smith and Mm. do a bit of freelancing. And Laurie's obviously the brother of Brian Mayfield Smith, and. uh, Brian decided that he needed a second string rider or a lightweight rider, and he called me up asking me whether I'd be interested. And mm. um, I was, and I went back to Sydney and took up that position. It was a, a very good position. I uh, had a lot of luck with Brian.
0: Harness Racing New South Wales has established a much-needed initiative to help harness racing participants who are struggling with personal issues through these tough times. It's called Mates for Harness, and it offers a helping hand to anybody struggling with the ravages of drug or alcohol abuse, domestic violence, or mental illness. Mates for Harness is there for anybody needing a helping hand. The support group is headed up by the very experienced Morris Logue, Chaplain Colin Watts, and a sports psychologist, Oliver Brett. Ambassadors are on standby all over the state, in the metro area, it's Darren Binskin. The hunter, Peter Allen. The northwest, Leanne Flower. The western district's, Amy Reese, The riverina, Seren Adams. And the far west, Steve and Marie Robinson. If you need to talk to somebody, Mates for Harness can help. www.matesforharness.com.au or ring Morris Logue on 0400 984.0. One nine three. You don't need to be alone. Talk it over with a mate. Here is an interesting statistic about your career. You rode six hundred and sixty-eight winners on forty-six different tracks. How would you know that? <laughs>
1: Gee, um, um, well, I do keep a pretty good record, and um, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's one of those things that. Um, I reckon I've almost ridden in every track in New South Wales and I've been Mm. fortunate that I've ridden in all of the major carnivals throughout Australia. haven't ridden in Tasmania or the Territory, which uh, Mm. is a bit disappointing, but I've ridden everywhere else and uh, with with success, so I can't complain too much about my career.
0: Why don't we make a quick little comeback? We'll have one ride in Tassie and one in the Territory.
1: That'd be great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, Morris, I don't know why it is, but most jockeys – can tell you the exact number of race falls they've had. You just scraped into double figures.
1: I just got into 10, yes. Yes, I did, unfortunately.
0: One of them was a shocker, Goulburn, 1991.
1: Yeah, it just shows you how fickle the industry can be at times too. I, I went there and I kept saying to Carol every time I'd packed my bag to go to Goldman. I said, I don't know why I'm going here. I, I hate this track.
0: That's the old um, track you're talking about. The
1: old the old track. Yeah. yeah. It, it had a, a, a camber that was um was a negative camber on the home turn and horses had skate around there and they'd mm. get unbalanced. And on this occasion I went there and I'd I'd ridden three winners and I was on a favorite in the last called Farm Lady. Mm. Um the only thing I can remember it was a 1,500 meter race. The only thing that I can remember about uh, the the race is that she began slow. She came out about a half length behind them. Mm. Now, that was her. She always came out of the barrier slow. Mm. Now, I fell at the 600, and that's the only thing I can remember about the race. Um, I I woke up the next day in hospital, and um, uh, unfortunately, I'd fractured three vertebrae. I'd done some damage to uh, my leg. I had uh, bleeding on the muscle in my leg, Mm. Um, and I may have even done... A collarbone at that, I oh know some ribs at that stage, but um, took me a while to get going. I was hoping to get back in five weeks, and mm. ended up getting back in six. And uh, uh, at the time, you know what racecourse whispers are like. I was saying that um, oh, yeah. they wouldn't be able to wouldn't be able to give me another ride because uh, I would have done my nerve. And yeah. I saddled up at Ramwick and and rode a winner. And before the week was out, I'd ridden ten winners. And all of a sudden, the whispers <laughs> were the whispers come back that I just needed a break. So yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. was inundated with offers.
0: You can't win. <laughs> you
1: can't.
0: <laughs> now, Morris, you rode on for another four years with the ongoing aches and pains you'd expect after 10 race falls. And then one day, precisely the 15th of November, 1995, you went to Canterbury for a few rides. You actually rode one of your best races ever, to win a 1900 metre event for Gary Nixon on a little horse called Brotherly Love, which pulled and went a bit hard with you. And on your way home, you made a decision.
1: Yes, it was um, was a hard decision, but leading into that race, um, I was struggling managing the, the my, my um, injuries and the pain. And um, uh, for a week prior to that race, I was finding it difficult to sleep. Um, and uh, I'd, I'd made the decision that I was getting to the end of my racing career through through trying to um, keep riding, uh, c- ride through the injury. and um, So on the way home, I decided that um, that was it. I wasn't going to be able to continue riding and, and managing the pain.
0: Mm. So you walked in and you said to Carol, that's it, I'm finished. Uh, she probably laughed, did she, when she first heard it?
1: Well, she, I suppose, like a lot of partners, um, uh, the first thing is, uh, if you're not going to ride, and that's all you know, what, what are we going to do? And, um, <laughs> and so it was a, uh, it was an interesting time. I was, I just happened to be very fortunate. Timing in this uh, industry, or I suppose in life, it's, uh, mm. it's, it's very important. And at the same stage, the Australian Jockey Club were looking to. Um, uh, develop a training package, or assist in developing a training package, and improve the apprentice programs. And um, as they were doing that, um, I became available. So they approached me, and um, mm. I worked for them for a while. Mm.
0: I recall visiting you and Carol one day in your new business, a little saddlery shop that you opened in the Sydney suburb of Menai. You were there for quite a while.
1: We were there, yeah. We were there for some time. Um, I. I think that was close to five years as well mm. um but it's a it's a hard hard gig um in retail at the best of time that um uh, that that we we give it a go and we decided that uh, it was a lot better when you were getting paid for holidays and sick leave and that <laughs> than running your own business it's a tough gig that running your own business
0: mm. you and carol have a very special daughter called felicia who, according to my calculations, Morris would be about twenty-eight. Has she ever had the slightest interest in racing?
1: Well, she she doesn't mind um, horses, but as far as racing, no, she's uh, not not that way inclined. But uh, we, she's had a few horses, and she rides quite well, but no interest in racing the racing side of things at
0: all. Mm. I can't believe it's twenty-five years since you rode Brotherly Love at Canterbury and then called it quits. You retired with a very tidy record, to your credit. You've put a hell of a lot back into racing in the ensuing years and you're now embarking on this exciting phase of your career with Harness Racing New South Wales. Yes,
1: I'm looking forward to it. I'm one of the... Key areas that I've I've been focusing on since I was appointed is developing a training pathway for uh, industry participants in the harness industry, Um, and we're not far off actually um, implementing that strategy. But uh, the the virus has made it very difficult for face-to-face learning, but we'll get around that. And uh, there's there's life after the virus. We all know that, and, and I'm sure that we're going to be able to provide. Uh, a lot of more opportunity in that area for the new participants coming in. uh, Structured learning pathways with increased uh, opportunities.
0: Good luck with the Mates for Harness program, Morris, and I know you'll be there for anybody who needs a helping hand.
1: We will for sure. Thanks, John.
0: Morris Logue on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by Harness Racing New South Wales.